But I'm going to say a word today. Um, and most people don't know how to really receive this word. And it's, uh, it starts with the letter S. And, and when it's said, some people cringe. Some people pull back. Some people get a little bit afraid of it. But it is a great word and has a lot of power in the kingdom of God. If you don't know what that word is, ready? Here it is. It's called submission or submitting. It's a word that whenever we hear it, the automatic thought that comes in our brain is control. It's a word that people are afraid of, but it's to place oneself under another. To yield oneself or to yield lower, let down, put under, reduce. I mean, it's, if you break down the word, it has sub, which means under, and then mission, which obviously means a direction. So you put your direction under something. But humanity often says submission is a bad thing because it's all about control. Now, if you have your Bibles, iPads, iPhones, if you want to open your open up to Matthew chapter 8. And the first person who gets it wants to yell out at me so I know that you've got it. You've got it, Mel. Oh, well done. But I want you to know that submission is not a bad thing. Submission is a kingdom principle. It is extremely important. And when we don't, we are out of control. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. And when he, being Jesus, entered Capernaum, a centurion, which is a Roman officer, generally looked after a hundred soldiers, came forward to him and appealed to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering, suffering terribly, and he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does that. And when Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those, he followed him, Truly I tell you that with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you many will come from east and from the west and recline at table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. And while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness, in this place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. It is vitally important to understand the context of this passage. Jesus is a Jew. The Roman officer is a Roman. And the Roman officer at this point in time, sorry, Jer Jerusalem was under Roman law. Basically, the Romans had come in, overthrown Jerusalem, and everything was under Roman law. They had put a Jewish man in charge named Herod, 
but he was still under Jewish law, uh, Roman law. That's where Pilate fits into it. Pilate was a Roman. And he was placed over the city of Jerusalem to manage it, to look after it, and to govern it. Romans don't like Jews. In fact, if you go into the context, when a Roman conquered you, you were seen as nothing. You were seen as slaves. And here we see that Jesus is traveling around and the centurion, the Roman officer, comes to him. This is a man who leads soldiers into battle. This is a man who is part of a conquering nation. This is a man who has soldiers that he tells to go here and there and they do what they're told. They go into battle, they fight together, they conquer. And here is this man who has a servant. Now servants really are dying the dozen. But here's a servant and he goes to a Jew. A Roman goes for help to a Jew. For this to take place, the Roman has to have some sort of understanding of who Jesus is. The Roman has to have heard the stories of what Jesus had done. And so when the Roman goes to Jesus, he tells him, my servant is dying, he's paralysed, I need you to come to my house, heal him but you can't come under my roof. But you heal him. Actually, in fact, he goes on to say, just say the word and he will be healed. You don't even have to go any closer. Just say he'll be healed. I know he will be healed. That's authority. And the Roman knew it. The Roman understood authority and he understood the authority that Jesus carried. Submitting, submission, is allowing what someone else has to be part of your life. When Mel and I got married, the Bible talks about the fact that two become one. That the, the lady right, takes my name right, and I have to make room for her in my name. Okay, my last name, that means. Okay. There is a level of submission that my wife comes in, right? But submission is not a weakness. It's a strength. Okay. I make room for my wife in our relationship. Okay. I'm not suppressing her. I'm not putting her behind me. My wife never walks behind me. She walks in front of me. And I'm trying to catch up, especially at the shops. I'm trying to run. It's actually more like a run because I'm trying to get it. Off a, but she stands beside us, right, and we walk together, right? At no point in time have I ever made sure that my wife is behind me or that she is less than me. And so submitting, what my wife did was she submitted under my spiritual authority as the man of the house or as the man in our relationship. And the reason God did this, right, he talks about it in First Peter, it says that 
that when two are ga- when two when two are joined, right? The wife submits, and the f- the husband actually has the bigger job because now he has to die for her like Christ died for the church. The wife submits, and the husband is acting in a representation of what Jesus is to the body of Christ. It is not about control. My wife is not less than me because she submitted. She is actually empowered because she submits. The Roman soldier, the Roman centurion officer, submitted to Jesus, right? And because he submitted unto, under the power and the authority that Jesus actually had, that power and that authority was then able to work in the centurion's life. And by submitting unto something, what I have is then given into my wife's. Does that make sense? Or does that go straight over the top? Romans 13, 1 to 5, it says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Let me give you a summary, right? There is no authority on this earth that has not been placed there by God. No authority, even the bad ones. Right? Coming up to election time, we saw what last year our local council just fall apart, right? With all the, the claims and with all the lawsuits and with all the rubbish and all the accusations, right? It still has not been solved, by the way. And it all crumbled down. But that is our governing authority within our local council. So it doesn't really matter if they are authority that we like or that we don't like, that are godly or that aren't godly, our role as believers is actually to submit to that authority because when we submit to that authority, what they have then gets to act in our lives. No authority has ever been placed without God's okay. God will often use bad authority or good authority for whatever purpose he needs in your life. There have been many a times I have sat under bad leadership or had bad leadership connected to me and found that God is speaking to me about something that I need to deal with or about something that needs to change in my life because all authority has been placed there by God. I can create, name a great story. But I love using this story when it comes to being sitting under battle leadership and how you deal with it. It's King David. But at the point in time of this story, it's actually David who sat under King Saul. David was known as a man after God's own heart. And he was called into the king's throne room. At this point, he had killed a bear and killed a lion with his slingshot. He'd become to know a little bit famous after he killed Goliath. And King Saul brings David into the throne room to play his harp, to bring soothing worship music into the throne room when 
Saul was coming under attack spiritually. There are many accounts in the story of King Saul when we know King Saul does the wrong thing over and over and over again. When he acts upon the when he begins to act upon authority given to other people, at one point in time, he sacrifices a whole bunch of army, uh, sorry, animals, and does not wait for Saul, Samuel. Yeah, my name's mixed up. Does not wait for Samuel to do it. And in fact, moves into the authority that Samuel was given. We know that King Saul was an ungodly leader. Because at the end of his day, God says, I am going to remove him from his position and bring forth a new, which is David. And he shall be king. Submission is a dirty word. It's a dirty word because of we misunderstand it. We see it as control. If I submit I have to do everything I'm told to do and therefore I have no control over what I'm supposed to be doing or what I can do. But submission has a purpose. It brings my mission under something. You don't have authority unless you're under authority. That's just how the kingdom works. I cannot operate in authority if I am not submitted to authority. One of the biggest problems in the church today, and I'm not talking about this church, I'm talking about all churches, because you guys are amazing, right? Is a lack of authority. And the reason why there is a lack of authority is not because Jesus didn't die for them, it's not because the same spirit that rose Christ and the dead lived within them, it's simply because there is a lack of submission to his authority. See, what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to submit to Christ. The Bible says that I'm supposed to crucify my flesh. Right? That's my own desires. I'm supposed to pick up his cross and follow after him. And when I do that, I step into a realm, I step into the principle that I am submitted under authority, therefore I can operate in authority. One of the greatest authorities that we all need to operate is this realm in the spiritual. Spiritual authority. And if we don't operate in spiritual authority, we come under attack. And the devil knows that he can take you out. Let me, let me give you an understanding, right? Here's a thing called witchcraft. If you didn't know, right, let me, let me give you some hindsight, right? There's a spiritual realm. We have... The good, and we have the bad. God operates in the good, the devil is operating the bad. The devil cannot create, he mimics, he copies, that's it. So whatever authority God has, or whatever realms God works in the spiritual, the devil copies it in the, in the satanic, or in the antichrist, or whatever you want to call it. In, satan in satanic worship, there is a key fundamental principle that they teach. Right? If you don't believe me, you can go watch it on YouTube or you can go read a book. It's this. If I want more power in the kingdom of darkness, I rebel more. The more I rebel, 
the more spiritual authority I have in the spirit of darkness. Completely contrary to what God says. The more authority I want in the kingdom of light, the more authority I want in the kingdom of God, the more I submit. The more I come in alignment with his principle. The more I come in alignment with God's plan, the more I come in alignment with his principles, the more I come in alignment with his purposes. If I act in rebellion, right? And rebellion actually has its link in the actual word to what's called witchcraft. The more I rebel against God's principles, the more I act in the kingdom of darkness. The more I act in the kingdom of darkness, the more power I have in the kingdom of darkness. And the less I can operate in the kingdom of light. This is a little bit heavy. I, I do apologise. This is something God really spoke to me about that needs to actually come out. There is two kingdoms. And the Bible talks about you can't serve one and serve the other as well. You have to choose. There is a line in the sand. Now we are at the base of the mountain. If you don't know what that means, right? witchcraft loves to take over high points in the city. All you have to go is to the mountains and you will find a rich source of witchcraft. And this, this rubbish about being good witches, white witches, you know, like Wicca, because we worship the earth, it's all demonic. Okay? It is all demonic. It's not, oh yes, this is the, this is the nice witchcraft. Okay? Because who are you praying to? Who are you connected to? It ain't God. And you're either with God Oh, you're against him. That is, that is I'm, I'm, I can't draw it any simpler. It's not like there's not shades of grey, it's just black or there's white. But there is a real need in the church today to actually operate in the authority of God. To operate in that authority. And the only way that I can operate in that authority is if I am submitted to that authority. And God places leadership over our lives. Sometimes it's not leadership that we like. And then God doesn't say, oh, you only have to submit to leadership if you like it or if you agree with it, right? That's not how God works. God places people over your life for purpose. And sometimes it's to draw out that rebellion in you. Sometimes it's there to draw out the witchcraft that we have allowed ourselves to operate in. There is a fight for each and every one of our souls. And it's something you can't see in the physical, but it is in the spiritual. But there is a fight for your soul. That even though that Jesus died over 2,000 years ago for you and gave you the access point to the Father does not guarantee the fact that you will walk after him. There is still choice. I've spoken a little while ago about the three realms in our own lives. The flesh or the body. The soul and the spirit. Our decisions determine what we feed them. We can feed our flesh or we can feed our spirit. That's as simple as that. 
And when I feed my flesh, I begin to gain, give access to the demonic realm to my life. When I feed my spirit, I begin to submit under the authority of God. Witchcraft promotes rebellion. Those thoughts inside your head, challenging the word of God, challenging authority that has been put over your head, it is straight witchcraft. It is lawlessness. It is rebellion. Those thoughts in your head after the blue sirens are behind you in the car, you think, if I floor it, I can get away. That's rebellion. That's founded in witchcraft. Those thoughts, because this person is over me, they're not perfect, and because they have faults, I don't have to listen to them, is straight rebellion. It's not, oh, there's a shade of grey, so it's okay. It's straight rebellion. Because God wants you to operate, right? Like the songs we sung this morning. He wants you to operate in the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives within me. He wants you to operate in that. That's why he did it. That's why he died on the cross. It wasn't so, it was some great love story that you could hear about. It was so, I don't want you just to operate or exist in this world. I want you to manifest my kingdom power in your life and begin to operate in a way that this world cannot understand. But because we're so consumed with what we see, what we hear, and our own rights, we begin to fight the actual process that was the cross. We fight the process because we think we have rights. We think, uh, if, if I don't, then I, I lose control. I always say this, this is a very true statement, if you don't believe me, have a good think about it. Control is an illusion. You cannot control anything. The only thing that you can determine is how you respond to the situations and circumstances that present themselves. You cannot control what happens to you. You can only determine how you respond. We're teaching our son. Seems like it's a never-ending lesson, but to respond and not react. It's fun, isn't it? See, first, we need to submit to Christ. We took communion this morning. We took communion in a way that we remember the actions of what he did. And what he did was he died for us so we didn't have to. He died for us so we could have access to the Father. He died for us so our souls weren't lost. He died for us because he, by dying for us, he then broke everything off your life. He died for us so we could walk in freedom. He died for us so we could walk in the power and authority of Jesus Christ. He died for us so we didn't have to suffer under rebellion or walk in rebellion. He died for us, so all the promises were yes and amen. But these are just going to be words. Words in a, 
in a story or some narrative that every so often you read that you try and understand. They're just going to be words until they become life. See, when it says, like I just opened up, right? In Proverbs 29 it says, When the righteous flourish, the people rejoice. But when the wicked rule, people groan. We all want a Christian Prime Minister and a Christian Premier and a Christian Councillor and a Christian Mayor and a Christian Division this and a Christian of that because it just, it just feels so good. But sometimes what we actually need is we need the most heinous, ungodly person in authority. Because quite often times when we are persecuted, when we suffer, we cry out the most. Sometimes we just need a wake-up call. We need to be shook in our very seats, our very standing place and say, you know what, I need to get serious about God again. This is not some game I'm playing. This is not about, oh, how does it make me feel? This is about our souls. And not just our souls, our kids' souls, our kids' kids' souls. I mean, we were talking about this week, the environment we are building for our children. And the environment that we got brought up in. And the environment we want our children to have for their children. The importance. I mean, we, you come to our place. No, she's fine. She's just crawling. You come to our place. And when my kids have showers, they're singing at the top of their voice some worship song. You're getting pretty good now, aren't you? Or you get in the car with my wife. And it's Christian music. And we're playing worship all the time because we want to surround ourselves in that environment. I don't want to open up a door to witchcraft. I don't want to open my door, any sort of door up to the, uh, to the demonic realm. And I'm, I spend time every morning praying to God, asking God, what do I have to deal with in my life? What do I have to learn to close the door on and open the door for you? What areas of my life aren't right? What have I opened myself up to? Because I, I want to close every single door that I have opened in my life to the enemy. And I only want to have the doors open to Christ. And that he can rule and reign in my life wherever he wants. And the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives within me. And I can operate in the power and authority of Jesus Christ wherever I go. it means that I have to submit to his will. It means that I have to crucify my flesh, pick up my cross and follow after him. We just finished a week of fasting. And it doesn't matter what you fast, it's challenging. You guys finished? You're finishing your day. We finished yesterday, so today is our first normal day. And, I mean, Mel fasted meat and, and chocolate, right? 
and desserts. And that was, that was a challenge for her. And if we, even if we put the desserts to a side, right, because we all know that's your addiction, okay, and we, we just highlight meat. How hard was that? Really hard, right? Wouldn't be hard for Jason. Jason is awesome, awesome giving up meat, right? And that's the first time you've done that. And I did something very different this year, this time, right? I only had one meal a day. And I just wanted to try something different. But it doesn't mean it was any less hard. See, I, I fasted for 40 days. And it doesn't seem, because it's not about the time frame. It's not about what it is. It's that you, you begin to learn how to crucify your flesh. I, I don't give in to my flesh. I'm learning to rise above my flesh, to submit myself under the kingdom of God, submit myself under the principles of God and apply them to my life so I can push aside my fleshly desires. I can crucify my flesh that little bit more. And so it's not him that is ruling my decisions. It's my spirit connected with my soul, walking in the power and the light of what I'm actually supposed to do. But it all starts with a choice. That I choose to walk after God. That I am choosing to deny that which is stopping me. I want the Word of God to be, to be evident in my life. Not because I have a couple of letters before my name. Not because I do this for a living. So this is not fake for me. This is my life. I gave up my old life for it. This, this, this role, this job, whatever you want to call it, this lifestyle I've chosen has cost me more than you'll ever know. I gave up salaries that you wouldn't believe. I gave up opportunities you wouldn't believe. Okay? I'm not boasting, but I'm just saying, like, I sacrificed a lot to be here. This isn't just, oh, yeah, this feels like good. I can do pretty well at this. Right? This doesn't even match my personality. I have to force myself into doing things because it's so contrary to who I am. I have to crucify, oh, because I, I can tell you what's comfortable, okay? And, and none of this is comfortable. I still get nervous coming up here. And in all the ways, I never want that to go because it means I have to depend on him. But there's a lot of times when I have to force myself to do things. Not because it feels comfortable, because I know it needs to be done. Why? Because you're worth it. You're worth it. And I know that you're worth it. I know there are other people that are worth it because Jesus died for you 2,000 years ago. And if he thought you were worth it, that means you're worth it. So I will pay the price because you're worth it. But it also means that you need to come to a place of, you know what? There's more. There is more. I work really hard. And making sure that my home is spiritually sound. I'm praying and I'm seeking God on a regular basis. We pray, we, we play music, worship music all throughout our house. 
right? There's certain times I'll come and see things and say, no, no, that doesn't happen. Right? I tell my kids that they can't work certain project, programs or I'll turn the TV off or I'll do certain things or I'll see something becoming too strong in their life and I'll say, no, we'll remove that. Because I don't want my kids being operated in or being, having access to things that they shouldn't have. Because I know, I know, look, I'm telling you, right, one of the things I do have, I have a gift of discernment, okay? I can discern between spirits. I know the spiritual realm. I've seen it, okay? I've been in a room with a whole bunch of people and there's been demonic manifestations, okay? I've casted out demons. I've, I've literally been really close to demonic oppression. Okay? I understand there is a spiritual realm. I walk into certain places and I know certain things. Okay? And it's not to boost up my ego and say, look at me, look at me. Okay? But I know the spiritual realm. And I'm only still learning on what, what's there. But I know. And most of the time, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing you not to worry about it. Or not to be concerned about it. But you don't have to focus on it. You just have to know how to shut the door to it. And how you shut the door to it is you open the door to him. And then you listen. And you let him guide you. And you let him show you how to shut the door. A little bit different message this morning. But I believe it's very timely. I mean, we're at the base of the mountain. If you don't understand the spiritual ramifications for starting a church in Yarrabilba, let me explain it to you. The devil has held this ground for too long. The devil's, he held this ground right, right back into early days when the aboriginals would walk over this place. He held it back then. And he's held it for so, so long. And there are some, wow, some crazy things that happen in here. And then God thought, I'm going to send this crazy person and his beautiful wife into this area because I want this ground back. Oh, she's okay. She's just going to mum. See? Not dad or pa, papa, papa, just mum. Because that's what we're here for. Right? If you think you're, you're here to build, uh, we're here to build a business, no, that's incorrect. I'm here to take this ground back in the name of the kingdom of God. That's what I'm here for. And whoever wants to join me in this, this then I'm all ears. Join me. But if you're happy surrendering, I can't do anything about it because I can't make you do anything. That's why this is not about control. I can't make you do anything. The choice is wholly and completely yours. We're going to pray. We're going to finish up. There's morning tea and there's tea and coffee. Morning tea seems to be growing every week, but it's great. Don't take this lightly. Dear Heavenly Father, 
I thank you that you are a God of the light. That when you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us over 2,000 years ago, it was for purpose. It wasn't just to connect us into relationship or to grant us access to you, but it was also to break the bondages, to break the chains that connect us to the dark. Father, I thank you that you sent your light on this earth. So Father, in the name of Jesus, in all that authority in that name, I speak your word, your principles, that you would begin to speak to us and guide us and direct us to be all that we need to be, Father. To close the doors to the demonic realms and open the door to you in all areas and walks of our lives. Father, I speak greater anointing, greater authority in our lives. I speak your covering and your hedge of protection, your blessings and your favour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.